Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. invite you to grab your copy of God's Word. Join me once again in the book of Acts. We will pick up where we left off last week, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 12 this morning. We committed last week to a journey through the book of Acts over the next 10 months or so together, and so we are going to continue to press on as we look at a message called Carrying On This Morning. How many of you have ever experienced devastating disappointment. I think all of us could probably point to a moment in our lives, a time, if not multiple, where we experienced devastating disappointment. Where we look back, and it could be a number of things. It could be things with our kids. It could be things job-related. It could be uh, things just culturally speaking. Uh, It could be spiritually speaking in our lives where we just experience what we would say was devastating disappointment. Things did not turn out the way that we thought they would turn out. They didn't happen the way we wanted them to happen. I don't know if you're like me, but I want to kind of make everything happen the way I want to make it happen. I don't know about you. Any hands want to raise on that? And yet, oftentimes, we experience times in life where difficulties come, where devastating disappointment enters into our life. And the question is, how do we respond as believers to that reality? What we're going to see this morning is that on full display in the early church. This fledgling group of believers who have just experienced Jesus leaving and giving them the mission of making disciples, how are they supposed to carry on? I'm confident this morning that some of you came in to worship today and you are in the middle of devastating disappointment in your life. And you're wondering, How do I carry on? How do I walk in the doors of church and as many of us often do, take off the real mask of who we are and set it aside and put our church face on and come in and pretend as if everything is okay? As if we had a great week last week, as if we are spiritually where we want to be, as if the things that happened didn't actually happen, let's pretend altogether that we're okay. And I'm not interested in that, and that doesn't help. But how do we carry on? I want to read for us this morning, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, going through the end of Acts chapter 1 this morning, and then we'll walk back through it together. Luke writes, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, John, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. 
together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, a keldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, which I highly encourage you to do, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in God's Word. Here's the main truth that we're going to see. Daily devotion, in spite of devastating disappointment, leads to divine direction. I want you to consider where we are in the story of the early church being birthed at the beginning here of the book of Acts. Last week, we witnessed Jesus giving to his disciples the great commission, that is, to make disciples of all nations. And yet, he told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit, the great gift, the third person of the Trinity, comes to them. And so as we talked last week of the great importance of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives as believers and in the life of our church to enable us to fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill, Jesus has now left the scene and the disciples are waiting. And we find out early in the text that they had returned to Jerusalem. And I just want to take a moment to bring you up to speed to remind you of what's going on in the disciples' lives up until this point. 
If you remember, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, had given his disciples a picture of what was to come. He had said to them, listen, I am going to die. I'm going to be gone. I am going to be away from you. And you are going to carry on. And and some of you are not going to do a great job of it early on. In fact, he told Peter, Peter, you realize that leading up to my crucifixion, you are going to deny me three times. And remember what Peter says. Peter says, I would die for you. And Jesus says, you're not even going to be able to tell a little girl that you're following me. And then we see one of Jesus' disciples that we encounter once again, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, the one who sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And then we see his disciples as Jesus is arrested in the garden and as he begins to head in to be crucified, they desert him almost entirely. In fact, they were looking for a political Messiah, a king that would overthrow Roman rule and Roman oppression, and yet their expectations were crushed. Talk about devastating disappointment. Their great teacher, the one that they had pledged to follow with their lives, all of a sudden is hanging on a cross. We recognize the great disappointment that many of them experienced in that moment. I mean, they had plans. I mean, several of them were arguing back and forth, Jesus' disciples, of which one of us is going to get to sit on Jesus' right and his left side. We want to rule with you, Jesus. We want to be in power. We want to be in authority. And you are our ticket to the top. And yet Jesus is on the cross. Their hopes and dreams dashed. And then Jesus dies there. And he's buried. But three days later, Jesus rises from the grave. Now, in that moment, you got to know that their disappointment is put on the back burner because Jesus is alive. Their Savior is risen. They're looking and thinking, even as we saw last week, that Jesus now, now that he's raised from the dead, now he's going to set up his kingdom. Now he's going to overthrow Roman oppression. But if you remember last week, Jesus leaves again. I mean, right when they had what they wanted in the palm of their hand, Jesus is gone. And Jesus told them, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. How do you typically respond to disappointment? When things don't turn out the way that you want them to turn out, what's your typical response? Is it just flat discouragement? Is it a place where you just sit and say, I'm just not going to do anything? If that's the way it's going to turn out, I'm just walking away. What about in your life, spiritually speaking? What do you do when something that you have been praying for for years doesn't happen? 
What happens when a child that you love dearly that has walked away from the Lord and you've asked God, God, bring that child back in relationship with you and it doesn't happen? What do you do when you experience a diagnosis that you were not expecting and you pray and ask God to take that away and He doesn't? What do you do when you look back this time last year and you had great plans for where you would be today spiritually and you're not there? One response is just to stop, right? Just to back off and say, I'm done. I'm done praying, I'm done serving, I'm done giving, I'm done done with this. I'm not doing that anymore. And yet, I want you to notice what happens in the life of these early believers. They've just witnessed Jesus leave them. Their great hopes of a political and earthly kingdom are gone. Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and we pick up in verse 12. They returned to Jerusalem, which is near Olivet, and it's a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And they all sat around and bellyached about what they were doing. Is that what your Bible says? You're like, whoa, I didn't get that version. That's a new one. That's not what they did. They didn't sit around and lament the fact that what they expected didn't happen. They didn't sit around and dream about, you know, well, if if God would have shown up, then maybe this would have happened and we wouldn't be in this position. That's not what they did. In fact, it says all of these, verse 14, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, And his brothers. An opportunity that they had before them was to complain, was to doubt, was to bicker back and forth about what should have been or what could have been. And yet, what they do is daily devote themselves to prayer. And a relationship with the Lord. In spite of the disappointment. In spite of expectations not being fulfilled. In spite of not having what they really wanted. What they thought they wanted. In spite of all of that. Together they devote themselves to prayer. When I asked earlier, what's your typical response when you experience devastating disappointment? Most of the time, it's not that. Can we just be honest together this morning? Most of the time, instead of praying about it, we fuss about it. 
Most of the time, instead of sitting at the Lord's feet in expectation of hearing for Him, we say, yeah, maybe I need to work a little bit harder to fix whatever happened. And yet in the early church, that's not what they did. In fact, they sat back and they looked and they said, if we are not experiencing what we really want, then evidently God has something else in store for us. And in light of the devastating disappointment that they had experienced, instead of turning and walking away from the Lord, they commit themselves to daily devotion to the Lord. You may be here this morning and for you, In your mind, you may not have told your spouse, you may not have told anybody else, but in your mind, your thought coming in today was, if God doesn't change this, I'm out. If God doesn't fix this situation, I'm done with Him. If God doesn't answer this prayer the way that I want Him to answer this prayer, then I'm not investing any more of myself in a relationship with Him. And can I urge you this morning, those who experienced some of the greatest disappointment, who had seen Jesus crucified, who had had one of their own turn their backs on them, the ones who had scattered at the very mention of Jesus being arrested, the ones who saw the risen Christ, and yet then He left them, even in that disappointment, even in those unmet expectations, they still committed themselves to a daily, devoted relationship with the Lord. And for you this morning, that may be the decision that you need to take. That may be the step that you need to make this morning. To look and to say, man, I've experienced great disappointment up until this point in my life. I'm not where I wanted to be spiritually. We've experienced whatever's going on in our lives that have brought us to this point. I've questioned whether God is at work or not. I've wondered if He's going to show up or not. And I'm tempted, Michael, I'm just being honest with you. Take the mask off right in this moment. I'm tempted just to walk away completely this morning, can I urge you and encourage you to commit yourself to daily devotion to the Lord. To recognize in this moment the greatest step that you can take today is to commit yourself to daily devotion walking with the Lord. You say, Michael, Is it going to fix everything? Isn't that what we want? I mean, we're a pretty instant society. We want what we want when we want it, and if we don't get it, we'll go wherever we have to go to get it, right? And yet the truth in a relationship with the Lord is that it is a daily walk of obedience and devotion to Him. And the reward of that is not necessarily what we want, but the reward is what we need. And that is an authentic relationship with Jesus. And so let me just ask you this morning, would you consider yourself devoted to your relationship with the Lord? 
I mean, when you look at your schedule, when you look at your life, when you look at the things that you invest your time and your efforts and your energies and your finances in, is it things that are leading you to growth in your relationship with the Lord? Or is it all of these other things out here? Because the reality is for us this morning, like the early church, if we expect for God to work in and through our lives, I can assure you that it will not happen apart from daily devotion in our relationship with the Lord. Growth spiritually does not happen by accident. In the same way that losing weight, unless you're sick, doesn't happen by accident. Can I get a witness? <laughs> nothing that is worth truly changing in our lives, nothing that we desire will happen ultimately without the time and the effort and the energy invested in that. And the same thing is true in our relationship with the Lord. For these early believers, they sat back and in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of all that had transpired in the weeks and the months ahead of Jesus going to the cross and then his resurrection and then him leaving, they devoted themselves together to time in prayer with one another in devotion to the Lord. It's interesting to me that the one who begins to be the spokesperson for the church is none other than the one who had denied Jesus three times leading up to his crucifixion. We encounter him in verse 15. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And he said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Everybody ready for lunch? <laughs> it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language a keldama, that is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. It's interesting to me in the midst of this devotion of prayer before the Lord, of walking in obedience, the next step for these early disciples that Peter stands up and calls their attention back to one of the greatest disappointments that they as a group had experienced. And he takes the spotlight and he shines it on Judas. And he says, listen, remember Judas? You remember that disciple that Jesus had called that walked with us through his ministry? The one who was involved in all of the miracles that Jesus performed. The one who 
walked with Jesus along the road, the one who sat down and ate with him. Do you, you remember that Judas? You remember the one who sold Jesus out? The one who for 30 pieces of silver guided those who were looking to arrest and to crucify Jesus. Says, guys, you remember that? Do you remember that happening? All of that happened to fulfill the scripture. All of that was part of God's plan, even in that devastating disappointment to lead us where we are today. You know, here's the thing that I've realized in my life personally, and many of you, if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, have realized in your life as well, is that devastating disappointment in our lives is not by accident. When we walk through trials and tribulations, James tells us it is to test our faith. It is to strengthen our resolve to be devoted to Jesus. And so if you look, and oftentimes we find ourselves in this spot where we are walking through trials, we are walking through difficulties, we are experiencing disappointment in our lives, and we ask the question, is God even working? And James tells us, not only is God at work in our lives, God is strengthening our relationship with Him through the trial that we are enduring. So many times we look and we say, God, get me out of this when God's plan is to get us through this with Him by our side. Peter in this moment calls the attention back to this devastating disappointment, one of their own who betrayed Jesus. I want you to notice though, he doesn't dwell there He continues on and says in verse 21, So, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went out and in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So Peter looks stands up among the group and he says, listen, we have devoted ourselves to prayer. We are with one another. We are committed to fulfilling the mission that God has given us to fulfill. That is to make disciples of all nations. And even as we look back and we see this devastating disappointment and we've experienced even now, the mission that God has given us must be fulfilled. And so he says, we need to identify Someone to step in and to take Judas's place. I want you to notice the qualifications that he gives. It says, one of the men who's accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. And he gives us dates here. From the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Now you look and you wonder, why is it such a big deal that they needed to add to the number? Well, for one, what we're going to see play out in Acts chapter 2 
is the Holy Spirit of God coming, declaring visibly God's kingdom come to this earth in a visible way. And for the Jews that were there that experienced this, the number 12 was a symbolic number. There were 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus chose 12 disciples. And as they were getting ready to witness the Holy Spirit come, there needed to be that 12th member, that 12th apostle as part of the group who, as Peter says here, would be a witness to the reality that transpired. From the beginning of Jesus' ministry when John baptized him all the way to when he ascended in Acts chapter 1. Verse 23, they put forward two. Joseph called Barsabbas who was called Justice and Matthias. Now you got to look and ask the question, Would you want to be in those two? You think, yeah, I'd want to be an apostle. And yet what we know is that every single one of the apostles, with the exception of John who wrote Revelation, laid their life down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this, we think, gosh, what a... What a great honor to be picked, and yet the reality is it's a pick to martyrdom. So it says here that they prayed. They said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. Throughout the Old Testament, this is a common practice where before the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, the way to determine whether or not God's decision was on a certain thing was to cast lots, simply to kind of picture in your mind, to toss dice out that had some type of marking, and the one that showed up was the one that God had ordained to have happen. Now for us, now... We don't look and say, that's how we make decisions here. We don't look and say, in our lives as believers, that's how we make decisions. Because the Holy Spirit has come. We have the Spirit of God who dwells within us. And so as we seek to make decisions, we consult God's Word. And we ask for direction from the Holy Spirit to lead us into the decision. But for them at this point, prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit, they cast lots. The lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. The disciples sought the Lord after experiencing great devastation. They had devoted themselves to prayer. And they received here the divine direction for how to move forward. So as we ask the question of ourselves, when we experience devastating disappointment in our lives, when we witness those things, when we walk through those things, instead of turning from the Lord, instead of checking out, instead of walking away, if we will devote ourselves 
to our relationship with the Lord, to walk in an obedience to Him. Even in the midst of that disappointment, here's the promise that we will experience divine direction. That God will not look at us and say, well, good luck, I hope you figure it out. But that He will guide us to take the next step. It's interesting, we don't ever see or hear from Matthias again. And yet, God's plan and God's purpose is fulfilled as we continue to walk through the book of Acts. We see that unfold. That these disciples devoted themselves to walk in an obedience to the Lord, even in spite of design, devastating circumstances. And they experienced as a result of that divine direction. And so if you're here this morning and you are walking through devastating circumstances and you are wondering, is God even at work? Can I encourage you this morning, walk in obedience and devotion to Him. And I'm certain that He will guide your next step. If you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you this morning that this Jesus that we have been talking about, who came to this earth and died on the cross and paid for your sin and my sin and was raised from the grave, He can save you this morning. I want to ask you to bow your head and to close your eyes with me. Maybe for you this morning, this is an opportunity. Having heard the truth of who Jesus is and what He's done to place your faith and trust in Him for salvation. To admit this morning that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that you believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross and He rose from the dead to secure salvation for you and you trust Him to be your Savior. You have an opportunity in the next few moments as we sing together to Call out to the Lord in prayer to voice that truth. You may be here this morning, and for you, the reality is you've experienced devastating disappointment. Maybe it was last year, 2019, was not your year. Maybe it's happened just recently. Maybe you feel like your whole life is that. And you wonder, as a believer, what is that next step? Can I encourage you this morning to take that step of devotion, obedience, walking in relationship with the Lord every single day? 
confident that God is going to guide that next step for you to take. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to the reality of what we experience in this life. And that there is hope found in a relationship with you, both to save us from our sin, to bring us in right relationship with you, and ultimately to encourage us as we walk in obedience and taking that next step. Father, for those here that have not taken the step of trusting you as their Savior, would you give them the courage this morning to take that step? For those who are walking through disappointment and discouragement, Father, would you encourage them, wrap your arms around them this morning. Let them know that you care, that you are walking with them. They simply need to walk in devotion to you. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.